Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Locked In Baseball Podcast. And um, I'm re- I'd really like to um, extend a special welcome to um, a longtime friend of mine and actually the, sky- the scout who signed me back in 07. And I, I joke around with, um, with people about this because the scout who signed me in 07 signed me, but he wouldn't sign Tyler Freeman who was considered, you know, undersized, unprojectable uh, in the 2017 draft, but he turned out to be a pretty good uh, professional player so far. So far. So he's not in the big leagues yet, but um, Tom Batista, you know, I really appreciate, you know, who you've been to me, the relationship we've had, and, um, you know, all you've done for me and my family um, over the years. So, but thanks for joining in with me and, and, um, and the listeners really today. So thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate your time. Well, you're welcome. I really appreciate it. Thankfully, I got just under the bus that rolled over me on the Tyler Freeman comment, <laughs> but I do appreciate being here, and I'm happy to be here. We can edit that out if you want to. We don't, we don't have to leave that oh. out. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'll take that one head on because I've been a Tyler Freeman fan since he was a sophomore in high school. And yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it's a circumstance of the draft, but, you know, you make a lot of mistakes, and sometimes one of them is, not jumping up or making your scouting director jump up that inch higher to get them before the other club in that round. It's kind of like the same mistake if you sign a player um, and uh, he ends up being a superstar podcaster, but not necessarily the baseball player you thought he was going to be. <laughs> and that's great because what I love about you and me is we don't talk like a, a, a whole lot, you know, but when we do, like, I love going back and forth and, and hearing what kind of what kind of trash you want to talk to me. Um, oh, it's all love. So I feel yeah. like I gotta fight fire with fire sometimes with you. But I really uh, no, I really do appreciate you know our friendship and and you know I know it's gonna extend you know through the years and um, I love following you and I love following you know you know what you what you do in the game, um, which is obviously why you're on this podcast now. So um, you know. Tom, like, talk to talk to me, talk to the listeners about, you know, AMG Sports Group. Um, you know, being the president of, you know, what you what you um, consider to be a was it the, a full service sports agency, right? Um, certified by the MLBPA, um, and you know what you know what you guys do for players and what you do for players, and um, you know how this is, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to say different, but how it you know how it stands out in comparison to the other, um, you know, companies or agencies that are out there that, that work with professional players or, or, you know, prospects for that matter. Yeah. So with, uh, AMG sports group, it's new because, um, for people who aren't aware of me, where I came from and what I've done, a quick background is that I was in scouting uh, for 17 years, actually, I began with Perfect Games when they were kind of like a seed company starting doing Jupiter and things like that back in, what is it, 1999, I think. And so after that, I took a job with the Braves in 2003, and I've been in scouting professionally, even though it was a similar role as Perfect Game. It was for a major league team. And uh, ended up, um, after seven or eight years, going to the Red Sox for five years. And then back to the Braves. <clears throat> and so and on that side of it, it's 
uh, representing an organization. So when you draft a player, negotiate a contract, a lot of things fall in place. It's not hard negotiations. It, it's uh, negotiating around a number that most people know. It's a very public industry, the draft and uh, high school and college baseball, especially in California where drafting players is the most prevalent state. So this is um, uh, and you're on the side of a club and you're trying to get a player signed uh, for what the club allows you to um, offer somebody. So it's, it's uh it's, a, it's like the exact opposite. So AMG Sports Group, uh, like you said, is a, a full-service sports agency, uh, meaning um, all things are handled, management services. Uh, it's called client maintenance services. Um, the MLBPA has the player agent certification process, and it's kind of a, a lot of law. And there are um, the rules and policies, procedures, and laws that fall under the collective bargaining agreement. And the CBA is an agreement between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association, the association that represents the players. So in that respect, you know, an agent for a player represents the player now instead of the organization. So it's, it's similar, but now you're protecting the player. But honestly, I kind of feel like in my position, after being an area scout, being a cross checker, being a national cross checker, the, the responsibility got more, but I was always on the side of the player when I, when I walked into the draft room and there, here, here are the players that we like. We like this guy. We like Tyler Freeman and we like that guy, right? And we want these guys. So we fight for them. And I, I feel like I was representing the player all along. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Now I, I I remember that. I mean, you were. I mean, I know that you, maybe I was a unique, um, in you know, situation. But you were, you know, you you were always on my side and just kind of watching how you worked with other guys. Um, you know, on the scout teams, you you know, you ran back, you know, ten fifteen years ago, um, and you know how you know the relationships you've kind of gathered over the years with those players and how you've um, really poured into them. Um, I, I can, you know, I can definitely, um, concur with that, that you, you know, you've, I mean, and I think those are the best, you know, the best guys in the game anyways, they're not solely, you know, out for the business aspect that, you know, they're, you know, they're really trying to make an impact, you know, with the players and the families that, that, um, that are affected. So no, I can, I can definitely agree, um, with, mm-hmm. you know, how you're wired and, and how you do things, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, no, exactly what you said. It, it sounds right. It's not the more the business aspect of it when you're a scout because you're fighting for players that you love. And I would, you know, do a home visit. Let's say you meet with a player and you talk to a player and they're expecting you to say, hey, will you take less money or we can't do that. And, you know, you're not so tightly aligned with your organization where they, I guess the, the myth out there might be that the organization's We'll talk to the area scouts or the other scouts that are coming in, you know, meet with families and speak to them and uh, try to get a deal, you know, like a good deal for the club. That's maybe not as good a deal for the players. It's not really like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, yelling respectfully and fighting, you know, in draft rooms and draft meetings and the scouts have to come in and sit down and tell us what they love about these guys. It's, you know, a lot of things come up about character and makeup and 
you know, how this player is, is like me and, and aligns with our organization. Culture has been a big word. It's been a trendy word. It was great about uh, seven or eight years ago when not many people used it. Um, so it's been thrown around loosely, but a true blue, strong culture uh, for an organization means you have to, you know, go after the players that you really feel um, have very strong um, makeup and character that would be, uh, how do you characterize it? You know, like we all know this, um, hard work, um, ethics, uh, you have to be a team player. Um, in the big leagues, being a big, a big clubhouse guy and a strong uh, dugout guy, those are really important parts for a culture, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, one little one cancer in, uh, on a team, one weakest, weakest link on a team, as you know, like in travel baseball, same thing as college baseball, the same thing as minor league and major league baseball, it can, it can hurt a team. Right. So, so we're fighting for those guys. And a club doesn't want to not pay the money for, you know, a, a talent that you really love and want. You don't want to let that guy go. And it's kind of nice how in the last, in recent history, it's been going on for like maybe eight years now. It doesn't seem like it, but it just flew by since like kind of slot was all but mandated. And so I think that helps a lot too. Uh, but now on this side, um, I'm on the other side. And in an extension talks, you have to, you know, go to bat for your player. And a lot of this stuff is done with the analytics and the metrics that really drive uh, value uh, for most of the front offices now. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, some, some modern um, software and models. And uh, like anything else, statistics can be manipulated. So it's important for players to have somebody dig up information and present a case kind of like a court hearing, you know, you have to present a case of uh, here's uh, my positive and here's what you're portraying as my negative and this is why these outweigh these and you just, you know, you're going through a process where you represent the player the best you can uh, to put them in a position to uh, earn uh, the most that they can and get what they deserve and what their value is. Because honestly, at the end of the day, the players in Major League Baseball give everybody else their job. You know, um, they're the fire. Uh, they're the, the, the engine that drives the whole industry. So without that, you're really, you know, you really have to make sure, you know, you value the player because right now, um, it's a good example. You know, everybody's bored and everybody's missing baseball. Um, but we need to get those minor leaguers back out there. We need to get the draft back up. You know, you can't have a five or a 10 round draft. And the guys are, going to lose opportunities this year. It's going to be a historical year. Yeah, so where, major leaguers are dying to get out there to get yeah. that back, you know. So what where do you everybody. see where do you see like I mean I know this is a little bit off topic, but where do you see uh the draft in kind of major league baseball the direction they're headed, you know, for for this year given, you know, the information that we have now. Well, because nothing's been um, given to us, uh, and no agreement has been made and the handshake and the signatures haven't happened. Um, information that we're getting on the major league baseball players side is, um, is, is unofficial and it's just hopefulness that things are going to slowly get back to normal. And there are, you know, dates are not really being put out yet. 
um, they're hopeful to get something done and they think that they can and an agreement will happen, but they just, we're just waiting right now. There've been rumors of days and dates, but, um, I can tell you as of today's date, uh, there has not been an agreement because we've gotten notices that just say just that there, there literally have been no agreements made and uh, the players union and the players association and major league baseball are, are throwing around everything they can and they're following CDC protocol, but the draft, it's going to be at least five rounds. We know that mm-hmm. it could be 10. Um, we'll find out that pretty soon. Uh, yes. But that's not good enough, you know. Um, it's been a hard dismantling of these minor league seasons, you know. They're, how many clubs are going to be eliminated? It's going to be how many players per club. You know, those are a lot of players that aren't going to have the opportunities to, you know, get to high A and double A, which mm-hmm. is kind of where you know, the minor leagues are going to start now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, it, we don't know where it's heading. I mean, there really are no answers, but... There's a lot of hope. I think that, in my opinion, I feel very strongly that it may take two or three years to normalize. Mm-hmm. But I do feel strongly that it'll normalize. It just so happens that this draft class right here is the one that will, you know, feel it the most. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you and know? then there's going to be a huge trickle-down effect, you know, with, with guys that would normally sign that end up going to school or, you know, pursuing other opportunities elsewhere. Um, you know, and, you know, with, with baseball kind of up and running, you know, overseas, you know, do you, I mean, I was just kind of thinking about this the other day, who was a kid last year, or was it two years ago that the high school kid that decided to opt out of, you know, MLB, the MLB draft and pursue like baseball in Japan or Korea. Yeah. So, um, so that boy's name, we, we drafted him with the Braves that, um, that boy's name was Carter Stewart and he's from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he was amazing. And in fact, I went to saw, I went to see him uh, two times. The first time I went to see him, he struck out, uh, uh, struck out 16 or 17, walked none. And it, it was, it was an unbelievable game. Like his stuff was crazy. He was still throwing 96 and 98. It was the last in the seventh inning. And all of his stuff was playing very well. He was like, yeah, he's got awesome. filthy breaking and then ball, an injury. Right? Yeah. Crazy breaking ball. I mean, you know, the, all of his stuff, his breaking ball actually, uh, per TrackMan, since everybody's well aware of TrackMan now, we started with TrackMan before the public knew it. Um, but in the scouting industry, stuff was coming in, you know, in uh, like six or eight years ago. And um, when Carter was, you know, in between his junior and senior years that summer, he was throwing up uh, curveballs that registered higher than all of the current uh, top major leagues curveball spin race and when you saw it with your eyes you're like whoa that's different that's a lot different and so it did match up and it was pretty pretty exceptional yeah no i saw him but there's an injury problem that wasn't you know in play and it didn't seem like um the deal was going to get done and there was some uncertainty around the injury and it just uh you know it's it's a very high draft pick to you know take him in in the top 10 picks yeah well I mean the so, the route he take that he took is unconventional, um, but I kind of uh, think you know with with all this going on in minor league baseball now, um, where where you know teams are getting cut, uh, the draft is you know sounds like it's going to be cut into you know a fraction of what a, you know uh, of the amount of rounds that it would normally last, and 
um, just with, with, you know, all these guys returning back to college for, you know, a fifth year or for an extra year, um, I, I, you know, is, you know, is the option of playing overseas become more real for a lot more players, I guess. I know, again, this is way off topic from what we were probably planning on talking about, but I guess now that I got you, I want to kind of get, you know, your perspective on a lot of this stuff because, um, no, no, it is, it is. You're right on with it. Um, and it doesn't, it's not really that off topic because, you know, I think most people know what sports agencies just are representing players. And these are the things that we talk about with our players and throughout the industry, you know, with other people. So, yeah, it's just education. We're all getting educated. And when we, you know, learn things that are of value, we try to share it with people to help them. So that's like just what you're talking about here. And I agree with you that it is going that way. It's an option. And people are going to have to take that option. Um, I had a... Uh, a former scouting director called me and asked me about independent ball. I said, hey, there's a league out here that I know of that wants to get independent ball going and get their indie team to get recommendations from um, scouts and agents to send players to this indie league and then sign as a free agent after the draft. And I was trying to explain to them, we don't know what's going to happen because right now, after the fifth round, or if it goes to 10 after the 10th round, we're, you're looking at a $10,000 signing bonus as a free agent. And it usually was like, what, 150, 175. You, you had a limit, but it wasn't 10,000, you know. So I said, at this point, if, if that happens, independent ball wasn't what it used to be, where, uh, you know, a high profile client was going to go in the top two picks in the whole draft for three picks, but didn't and dropped for some reason and knew he was really good. So did his agent and he sent us an independent league and he was now a free agent. So at the end of the next year, he played the whole season after the draft. And at the end of the next year, he was a free agent and somebody could pay him free agent money, you know, so, and it was limitless, but this is not the case now. So uh, that's not an option. So like you said, going overseas could be an option like Carter Stewart did, but in a, in a different way, you know, Carter Stewart did it. At, he was young. He was like 17 or 18 mm-hmm. when he started. So, um, it's a little different, and, and right now we don't know what's going to happen because uh, Japan is their Japanese league is uh, training right now together in a, in a group, getting ready for their season. Um, Taiwan, the Taiwan Professional Baseball League, China, is two weeks in, about well, maybe a couple days over two weeks now, and I believe this morning might have been the first day they started with 250 fans at a game. So not only do they play two weeks with the CDC protocol in place, social distancing and all the precautions that they planned on, but they, uh, they also had fans. And now on top of it, the Korean baseball league has like what, two and a half days under their belt now. And that's a very professional baseball league that is organized similar to major league baseball. It's kind of one of one of, or the only, the closest comp to major league baseball to see how they run their operation. It's a, a pretty impressive, uh, large scale, professional baseball organization, you know, not major leagues, but it's as close as we can get to judge, you know, um, how that system is going to work, how safe it is and how successful it is. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, everybody's monitoring that very closely. Everybody in major league baseball is. So it's been a success for a little over two weeks with the, the Taiwan professional baseball league. And now the KBO, which is the Korean baseball league is underway and they're in their third day. And, uh, it's been, 
been going fine, but it's going to be scrutinized very carefully. It's under yeah. the microscope. And everybody's wearing masks so, on the field. Everybody's, everybody's, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't foresee that being for long, but maybe in a dugout. I mean, I've, we've heard a lot of examples and there are a lot of writers out there that are either speculating or getting some rumblings. Uh, you know, none of it's confirmed, but a lot of it makes sense. You know, I saw Peter Gammon's article that was interesting about the, the East and the West. Uh, Florida spring training has mm-hmm. 15 sites and Arizona has 15 sites. And this is what the leagues would look like. And he, he laid it out, just painted the whole picture in writing there. These are the leagues, these are the divisions. And instead of American League, National League, um, you'll see 15 teams in Florida. He'll, you know, maybe it'll be the, the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League in the World Series. Yeah. Uh, but um, now they're rethinking it, and there's a lot of theories and a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different opinions. But what? nonetheless, they were talking about having social distancing in the bleachers at the spring training sites for in Florida, and they have uh, the two dome stadiums, mm-hmm. you know, in Tampa and Miami, and they have a dome stadium, Chase Field, in Arizona, so they can play double headers there at those places. You know, that's, that's a possibility. Seven inning double headers. You know, you can get more games in, less innings on the pitchers. Maybe it's, you know, the 26 man roster is new this year, but they might, maybe they'll make it 28 or 29 and, you know, it'll be safer for the uh, pitchers' arms and pitch pounds. Yeah. And if I, there's more double headers. And I guess, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, if everything's kind of on hold and there's no real definite plan yet, you know, how, how these organizations are kind of managing you know, I mean, you use spring training, right, to get, you know, to, to really use, you know, those last few weeks to get ready for the, for the season, you know. So when when you take these players, especially the, the arms, and you take – I'm sure they're getting managed in some way, but when you take them away from, you know, a, a the organization setting where everybody's kind of together, you know, it's um, – you know, and then you go throw them back out there into a, you know, into a full season, so to speak. I mean, it's not – the typical full season, but you put them right back into competitive baseball. You just kind of wonder how, you know, how, how everybody's bodies are going to hold up. Um, just not being in the yeah. same routine they're used to with the, with, with spring training and, and, you know, competition, you know, before you hop into the, hop into the games that matter. So, just, yeah. So of, I guess, um, allegedly, uh, the plan is for safety for all the same logistical reasons you just mentioned is to, give the players a heads up uh, when they can come to an agreement. And there's no secret. I don't think the MLB or the Players Association will hide anything or is, is trying to hide anything. They just don't want people to jump to conclusions and create some hysteria that is false because nothing's been done. And until it's done, we can talk about it for fun. People can talk about it for fun. But uh, there's there's you know no certainty in exact dates. But when dates are set and it looks like there's a good chance they're going to be, then – they're going to start telling players, hey, your spring training report date is going to be this. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, you know, possibilities that maybe it'll be staggered to, you know, to start certain teams earlier or later and get their spring training uh, operating, you know, smoothly. And um, if they're sharing spring training complexes, maybe you'll have one team, you know, report a little earlier or day, the first day and the second day. The other team will, and that, that first team would just kind of stay at their hotel and do something else. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to keep the distancing, and they're talking about being six to eight feet away and the stands. You know, yeah. that was one of the one of the uh, suggestions 
So you're talking about instead of a dugout, you're sitting in the bleachers <laughs> with no fans at a spring training complex, and you have to like look six or eight feet to your left and right to talk to the guy next to you on your on your bench. This doesn't you sound. Mask. This doesn't but when you sound go on the fun. field, I don't think they'll be wearing masks. But that's just an opinion. I yeah. don't know yet. This doesn't sound you know? fun to me at all. <laughs> it doesn't. But at least they're going to give them a date so people can start throwing. Yeah. running and, and, and swinging a bat and getting prepared for spring training. And when they get to spring training, it should be at least a few weeks. Yeah. You know, it won't be six weeks, but they'll have a few weeks to start okay. playing well, and least, some yeah. live and wrapping up. Yeah, at so. least they'll get that, you know, because that's, you know, you kind of yeah. wonder if, you know, guys are just throwing bullpens at home or, you know, and, and then they just show up and then, you know, all of a sudden they have to fit, you know, start competing in games that matter. So, um, right. if they, you know, I guess right. that was my question, you know, if there's, if there's a, you know, a, a spring training, you know, opportunity, you know, for them to kind of just get, you know, kind of get their feet wet with some, you know, with some live at bats mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yep, it looks like there's going to be about maybe three weeks of it is what it's looking like they are going to need because pitchers do need that time to ramp up. And if they're given uh, a two or three week notice in advance, um, then they can do that on their own. They can start with black round and some long toss and then, you know, anything of a uh, simulated inning on, on a mound at home with a friend at a local school or college or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they can go to spring training. So it'll be in stages. They, nobody would take athletes like these guys, you know, compromise any part of their health. Um, so that should be fine. And, you know, the, I guess the last thing is um, all the players um, uh, would most likely be in a hotel <laughs> setting, you know, mm-hmm. and housed together and, they're all going to be tested a lot. These guys, I mean, they're taking every precaution. And the, the goal is to get them back at some point this year to the Major League stadiums. You know, the, you know, the Major League stadiums are trying to generate revenue and yeah. you know, they're trying to get back into the same environment and they're trying to normalize things. So if everything goes good and the Taiwan League is you know, two months in and the Korean baseball league is one month in and everything's been successful. And, you know, this country's health is good and everybody can be safe practicing, mm-hmm. you know, the way that they write it up, then, you know, great. Yeah. And if there's an incident, then they can quarantine somebody for two or three weeks or however long they have to and, and maybe call somebody up. Maybe they have a taxi squad, you know, mm-hmm. and they just kind of play it like a spring training taxi squad and, there's an extended roster and you can use guys from the 40 man and have them stay in shape somehow while they're at the facility. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. You know, honestly, I have limited in- information above what anybody in the public uh, can research and do on their own. So it'll be fun to see for all of us. Everybody wants it to happen. So however it does happen, it'll be done the right way. Major League Baseball is uh, a big time program. Right. Well, I mean, the common theme is, you know, amongst everybody, you know, that's been on these podcasts, I've had a guest on every, you know, every episode. And the common theme in, with the college guys, the pro guys is just everybody's had to adapt a little bit, you know, and obviously there's not, you know, everybody's out of their routine and, and, um, you know, just trying to find ways to whether they're college guys trying to gain access to their players so that they can, you know, and they and they have those, you know, they have those restrictions there, you know, especially at the D1 level where they're not able to, to communicate with their guys as much as they'd like to. But, um, you know, they've, they've found like all sorts of ways, you know, creative ways to, to you know, send out 
send out, you know, at home training uh, options or, or, you know, just sending out communication just to try to, you know, there's con- like some of these schools are, they, they, you know, they're, inst- they're creating contests amongst the players to see, like, I think it was Biola that they, they have like a, Push-up contest or something, I don't know, just something just to create engagement. So, I mean, I, I and then the pro guys as well. The few guys that we've had on, you know, I've talked about how they, you know, they're they're using Zoom training or they're doing they're they're, they're using these different online platforms to kind of get through to each other as an organization within like the the um, whether it's the front office or the or the um, um, the, the the scouting department or, or whatever in. You know they communicate that way, and they go through these different types of meetings um, that way. But also, um, you know, they're able to use those same types of platforms and tools to get through to the players. So, um, you know, it's it's just good that you know you see everybody kind of you know doing what they can um, to you know maintain or to you know I, mean, I shouldn't even say maintain, but to at least get some type of um, regimen together for their guys so that they're ready to go and. And, um, you know, if, if the anticipation is that Major League Baseball does get back up and running, um, you know, and, and their season's, you know, going, you know, to some capacity, right, then, you know, I think that everybody else follows suit after that, which is what I really hope for. Um, you know, I miss the game just, you know, just like everybody else does. And that's why we started this podcast or I started this podcast just because, you know, I feel like I need to do more, um, you know, from obviously from home because I can't get out there on the field as much as I'd like to, but um, you know, and then, and having guys like you that that's willing to take the time to do this and, and be on here and talk about what you do. I think it's, um, you know, it's, you know, you guys are, you know, you guys are so impactful, uh, in different ways, you know? So, um, you know, AMG being a, uh, a somewhat, you know, relatively new venture for you since you just, you know, kind of just got out of scouting, um, you know, where you've had tremendous success, you know, and, you know, so if we want to go back to that and just kind of talk about the direction um, you know, that you see your, you know, this agency going in, um, a little bit more, um, you know, if I know you can't talk about a whole lot of stuff, but, you know, people that may be involved, um, you know, organizations or, or, you know, or, or anybody you're really able to work with. I know, again, like you said, you can't really talk about a whole lot. Um, but you know, there are certain details that I'm missing out on that I want to learn about. Um, and I'm sure that the listeners and, and anybody that does take the time to, to, to log in and, and listen to this, they're going to, you know, want to hear about it too. So that concludes part one of this conversation with Tom Batista, and we will continue with part two coming up next. Definitely in the house.